I find most people that I've ever spoken to, I mean, Mm. obviously the demographic of people still suffering with skin issues, but most people who've gone down the route of elimination dieting and things like that have not seen results from it. And in some instances, the child is then deficient in certain nutrients from lack of dietary exposure. So I also, I don't just assume that it's a food issue because Mm. I've just not seen that to be the case all the time. I absolutely agree that it's everyone will always say, you've got to stop this and you've got to stop that and you've got to stop the other and you're stopping amazing food groups each time. And that's not necessarily what we want to be building up everybody's and their integrity and the mucosa and everything else rather than just taking stuff away. Hello and welcome. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to your needs, the needs of the practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business and something clinical each week, you'll get the variety you need and enjoy to stay motivated in practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. Now, we had such a good time when Emily Banks was here last that I've invited her back again because what she touched on last time was her specialist area, which is the acne and eczema clinic. So I thought we'd talk some tips and tricks and things we need to look for with our clients who've got skin conditions and any other exciting things that Emily might be able to share with us. So thank you so much for coming back, Emily. It's just amazing amazing to have you here with us. Thank you, G. So now with our clients, they come to us. So I actually have a really good record with eczema personally in my clinic, really good with eczema. I feel like a genius because the clients are so happy when it's dealt with, but I'm rubbish at acne, right? Absolutely terrible. I have to say, I probably, boys, I'm pretty good at. Girls acne, yeah, a lot more complex. And I actually can't because you're actually dealing with the mothers and I'm like, can't eat this and you can't eat that. And the mother's like, oh, well, I've got the rest of the family to feed. She's going to have to eat it. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks. Really helped you say that. Not. So what are some of the things that you really look for when your client, should we start with acne? Should we start? So what are the things that you really find help with your clients? The first things you do when you see them, maybe there's some testing you do or that you leap straight into with Yeah, them. absolutely. Well, I do a full consultation, obviously, to just ascertain if there's any major irregularities with how they're presenting. I find often there is a combination of hormones being contributing to the condition, diet and gut health. Other things I look at are lymphatic health. If they've had particular loads on their body, anything usually Accutane that could be creating more irritation. And then I'll refer to have some blood work done so that we can really understand what the hormonal picture is. I am a huge fan of having pathology before I treat hormones because I think we can make a lot of assumptions that necessarily really going on. And I work with my patients for a particular time frame. So usually I'm working for an average of six months. So it is important that I've got the prescription accurate from the get-go and understand how long it's potentially going to take to change certain conditions. So things that I look at, all your general blood work in regards to liver enzymes and general biochemistry, full blood count, iron studies, just to check if there's any deficiencies that need to be corrected, vitamin D. Big one that I ask for as well is zinc. I know that not everyone is a fan of zinc being tested in blood, but I just find it a lot easier to be done. 
then I obviously take into account some of the loss that can occur from blood testing. And I use that to be able to ascertain how much zinc support they need because some people are deficient and that's one of the major factors to their skin conditions. So I treat a lot of, I'd say predominantly the acne that I treat is in adult women. So usually women anywhere from 25 to 30, early 30s. And usually they have already been through the process of being prescribed antibiotics, the pill and Accutane. A lot of them have been on Accutane several times and have not gotten a resolution to their skin. So shocking. (laughs) So I'm I'm looking as well for any potential damage that's been caused by previous medications. I'm also looking at the skin barrier and also Mm. looking at what they're applying topically to their skin. If there's irritants or comedogenic ingredients in those items that could be contributing to the problem, if they're overusing actives. I find that a lot of the time people have done so much of their own self-research and well, actually research is probably not the right word. They have been marketed to so intensely that they are using a lot of different actives on the skin and oftentimes they're continuing to degrade and break down the skin barrier through items that they're using. So I work from the inside, but I also adjust what they're using topically as well to be able to minimize harsh exfoliants, harsh ingredients, preservatives, fragrances, all that kind of stuff that doesn't belong on the skin. And so is that what you do similarly to your expert clients? Is it a similar process? Similar in the way that I'm investigating. With eczema, I am also specifically looking at IgE through serum as well to Mm -hmm. understand how severe the atopic presentation is. Surprisingly, some people don't have elevated IgE at Mm -hmm. all, and this takes us down a pretty different route for treatment. Sometimes people have significantly elevated IgE, and Mm -hmm. this helps me to be able to give them a really honest, realistic idea of what treatment is going to look like, what it's going to cost, how long it's going to be. I've had so far three patients who've had IgE elevated over 5,000. And yeah, you can imagine how they're presenting <laughs> in those sorts of levels. And in these instances, a lot of them want to persist with natural treatment. But I also take into account how damaged the tissue is, how long it's been damaged, because in my experience, there does get to a point with eczema where there's not a whole lot that natural treatment is going to do to reverse the damage to the tissue. So I'm very open about that and use their pathology to understand how significant treatment is going to be for them and whether they're up for that because Mm. some people are willing to put in a year of work if they Mm. know it's going to work but when we're looking at levels that high and steroid cream use over 20 plus years Mm. the reality of treatment looks really really different and how significantly they're going to respond looks pretty different too so I try to be very upfront with how severe their condition is and what they can expect from natural treatment given how they're presenting and I do work very integratively so several patients I will recommend that they look into gepixin and being able to control some of the internal inflammation in that way so that we can then work on other things but without so many items in the prescription going towards trying to control the inflammation in the tissue that is not necessarily going to be strong enough to give the result that we want when the inflammation is so significant and the IgE is so high. Yeah, that's huge. I don't think I've ever had one that high. So. Oh yeah, I've seen it quite a few times and usually you see it also you can kind of assume given how progressed the eczema yeah. is and how severe the treatment has been for them in the past. Other things that I look at as well are, I suggest, especially fobs. I love working with little kids with eczema. 
also suggest that they do skin prick testing as well to be able to see if they're actually allergic to something. I don't do a lot of IgG testing. I know it's like the very common thread to go down, but a lot of the time food is not a massive contributing factor. So I always rule out an allergy first and then we work with improving nutrition and then we'll go down the route of maybe sensitivity testing if it's worth it. I also request that there is some environmental allergens tested as well, because obviously if there's an allergy, then nothing's going to get better until they remove exposure. But I do find a lot of moms that I talk to who've already tried to do things for their bubs have gone down the food route and it's such a common path to be pushed down as well with eczema. And often it can create a lot of frustration and a lot of complication for the mother and the family as well. And I find most people that I've ever spoken to, I mean, obviously the demographic of people still suffering with skin issues, but most people who've gone down the route of elimination dieting and things like that have not seen results from it. And in some instances, the child is then deficient in certain nutrients from lack of dietary exposure. So I also, I don't just assume that it's a food issue because Mm. I've just not seen that to be the case all the time. I absolutely agree that it's, everyone will always say, you've got to stop this and you've got to stop that and you've got to stop the other and you're stopping amazing food groups each time. And that's not necessarily what we want to be building up everybody's and their integrity and the mucosa and everything else rather than just taking stuff away. So people come to see me and they've been on FODMAPs for years and you're like, oh, awesome. microbiome. Oh, what am I going to do now? And when we restrict because of our own psychology and what we think, and so we restrict a child's diet, we're putting ourselves on them. And by restricting that diet, they don't create the enzymes they need to break those foods down. And then they're never there because yes, it's a child. potentially develop sensitivity depending mm. on the age as well. Mm. Absolutely. I find this quite a big problem. And this is where I think my approach is a little bit different because I very rarely am going down the food path right at the start where yeah. just trying to create a bit more nutrition and more reserves for the child and giving what is obviously not there in the diet, especially omega-3s, which is a huge cornerstone of any skin condition that I treat is actually utilizing an appropriate amount of omega-3 for that person. (laughs) Yeah, getting those omegas in and getting in the right ones for each person because everybody is different. Some people are going to tolerate your fish oils and some aren't, but we've got to get those omega-3s in. We've got to get those combinations of all of those omegas in for the skin. And I had on chronic eczema and my hands got so that's why I gave up nursing because I couldn't wash my hands. So I was just bleeding everywhere. So really the best nurse that you can get. Who <laughs> was bleeding every time she washed her hands. But I actually ended up having my ring cut off. It took years for my hands to go back to normal. I do find hands take a lot longer mm. to respond than other parts of the body. And mm. yeah, definitely, obviously, all the mechanical irritation and yeah. what's side topically, I've especially seen an increase in, in different sorts of dermatitis, especially mm. perioral dermatitis. Mm. Since COVID, I think obviously in relation to the increased amount of sanitization and disinfectant. Yeah, my hands have been coming up all this hand washing. So yeah, carrying in my handbag. I carry my own little hand wash. I go into the public bathrooms and out comes my own little hand wash. Out comes my own sanitizer. I'm not using the soaps in all the bathrooms and the sanitizers everywhere because they're just full of all the nasties. So absolutely, you just have to be really careful. Absolutely. And also looking once again at the topicals being applied for people with eczema because I don't know why, but pretty much every single range that I have seen that's targeted to eczema and sensitive skin mm. contains a lot of parabens and paraffins mm. and harsh preservatives 
acids and irritants and they give kind of the illusion, I suppose, mm-hmm. of having more moisturized skin because you're just covering your skin in petroleum-based items and dimethicones that <laughs> just things that act like a liquid plastic. So I also am quite focused on what is being applied and how that is potentially degrading the skin barrier or creating more irritant issues because anyone that has eczema or acne has a compromised skin barrier. And especially where we're looking at eczema, where there is that likelihood of atopic presentation, then we're also looking at the fact that their skin, because of that compromised skin barrier, doesn't have the defense mechanisms that it should have to keep environmental irritants out. So over time, they can become more sensitized to things that they're putting on their skin as well. And often there are fragrances being applied to, which is one of the most common irritants. Yeah, the parfum. Seeing the word parfum on the back of anything, it's like, pop that back on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, we don't need that. Oh, that looks really nice. It says sensitive skin and everything. Turn it over. Oh, no, parabens. Absolutely. And then in brackets, parfum. It's so upsetting as well because I really appreciate the vulnerable position that people are in when they're at that point with their skin and especially Mm -hmm. when they're being told a bunch of conflicting advice and you're really just left to your own devices Mm -hmm. with marketing, which says QV is the best thing ever and you could also become flammable. (laughs) But I think there needs to be a bit more education around what the skin barrier does and how we can support it and protect Mm -hmm. it because I find that naturopaths who refer patients to me as well often aren't really aware of those uh, topical aspects and looking at skin barrier and sometimes we're we're a victim Mm -hmm. as well to relying on marketing of a product. So yeah, some naturopaths who refer patients to me are also, you know, victim to prescribing things that are just marketed towards that issue being either acne or eczema or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. often, even though the item, you know, says that it's natural, et cetera, et cetera, when we really look at the ingredients, it, it doesn't shape up to being able to support that person. So mm-hmm. I think it just goes to show that the internal routes are just one way um, to be able to help eczema, but also mm-hmm. using things topically is, is really Really important to refine that and make sure what's being used topically is supportive of the skin for any skin condition. Yeah, absolutely. It's really important. So with, you know, you know, all this stuff about all of the things that should and shouldn't go in, which leads us to the next point, because I'm so impressed with you. You're just amazing. You have brought out your own products, haven't you? Yes, I have. <laughs> I have. Yeah. Which is really I mean, it's really exciting because every naturopath wants to bring out their own products. Manufacturing in college is like the best course, isn't it? You learn to make things, you learn to do things, but you've actually gone that next step and you've developed product and you've brought it out to retail and to practitioners. So can you tell us a bit about like the journey, I guess, as well? Yeah, of course. Well, my first ever job out of college was in tech, like as a technical officer. So I learned a lot in that role and part Mm -hmm. of my role was also involved research and development of products. So I had a little bit of experience in that field in, you know, what the process looked like and how to obtain contract manufacturers and things like that. But I'd never looked seriously at it until I started treating skin and noticed the requirement for Mm. really good strength fish oil availability. And that we couldn't prescribe that without a consultation um, because of the, you know, practitioner restrictions on it. And with some of the skin clinics that I was working with and alongside, I couldn't provide those items for them because of the requirements of the company making those products. So I started to create my own so that I could get through that barrier and be able to make these things that 
that skin therapists should be using make them available mm. and accessible for their clients because I see so much improvement. If, if a skin condition is mild, I see so much improvement with just fish oil support. And mm. it's not always that complicated. Often people have these obvious deficiencies and just need that support, but we can't get through the loopholes of, of mm. what's available in the retail market. So the first thing I created was my EFA Pure, which is a high concentration fish oil, one of the highest concentrated in the retail market, but it's also preserved naturally with vitamin E, which also mm. then helps to offset vitamin E deficiency that can be associated with high dose fish oil. So this item is yeah the most loved <laughs> and there is um, a lot of yeah a lot of stockers that we have Australia wide who who can utilize that with their um, mm. clients uh, whether they're naturopaths or skin therapists so that's highly supportive I then created a powder supplement as well because I found in my process of finishing up treatment with my clients I had recommendations around what to take for their skin in the longer term but couldn't find anything in a retail setting that really fit the pitch up mm. so I was largely looking at obviously marine collagen peptides being a base um, to be able to support the skin and I also really wanted zinc in there as a feature mm -hmm. as well but in a way that was easy to be able to flexibly dose depending mm -hmm. on if their skin was active or not so this is what led me to develop a powder it's a lot less complicated to create a powder than it is to create capsules or mm -hmm. tablets which are classed differently. So this has a base of marine collagen peptides, some zinc gluconate, silica, vitamin C, uh, spirulina, mm -hmm. and some natural flavorings to be able to <laughs> make it taste okay with the zinc <laughs> in there. And that has, yeah, been amazing to assist people with both acne and eczema because all of those ingredients are targeted yeah. by the skin. And I've also chosen to make my items as simplistic as possible to avoid any complications with prescription or with longer term use mm -hmm. as well. And most recently I've just been uh, well I am working on a new product too that's more for mature type skin and super dry skin but it's very difficult to get hyaluronic acid to mix in with water as you can imagine <laughs> so that's a work in progress but I've also been working behind the scenes on yeah being able to provide topical support to my clients and to be able to make that affordable for them so that they can continue using mm -hmm. those items which are required for long-term care for the skin so I've launched a it's only available with my one-to-one -one patients so far but it will be launching retail in a couple of months and this is called something else by the acne and eczema clinic and this is pure botanical vegan sustainable um, ingredients all corneotherapeutic no preservatives no fragrances and containing different levels of actives to assist with different conditions so we have like gel cleansers moisturizer but then we also have serums as well so that once again we can integrate advancing support into their skincare routine as they need it often people are creating damage by overusing actives so this is mm. also where we can basically redefine what they're using in a skincare routine and help to support their skin functionally from a topical perspective as well sounds amazing it sounds absolutely amazing congratulations and it's Thank going you. to actually be out very soon it's going to be out the listeners you should be able to get this within a few weeks of hearing this potty we hope because it's the new financial year so um fingers crossed this new financial year comes around and you'll be able to get <laughs> your hands on these products for your clients so yeah watch this space it sounds absolutely amazing so oh, I feel like I've learned so much every time I speak to you I learn so much and it's just wonderful it's absolutely right brilliant. so <laughs> So I hope everybody else has enjoyed our um, conversations and it's time for us to go. So thank you so much, Emily, for coming in and speaking to us on the podcast again. It's been absolutely brilliant. My pleasure. Thank you.
Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.